News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this rainy Friday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110. And guys, make sure you follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And it has been a big, big week with a lot of big interviews. I can't reveal all of them. Some of them that you'll start finding out about next week. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And I'll have all the announcements on my X account. So let's let's talk about District 8. District 8 is a district that impacts a lot of people in our listening area. A lot. And I got some numbers here for you. District 8. Congressional District 8. Union County makes up 38% of that new district in terms of voters. And I always forget that you get that eastern sliver, that eastern slice of Mecklenburg. Mecklenburg makes up 19% of that district, coming in at number two. So Union and Mecklenburg, coming in at 18%. Is Cabarrus County, and it's only half of Cabarrus County. And then the remaining five counties, Stanley County, Anson County, those going east, um, I believe you got what, Montgomery County, Scotland County, Richmond County, and Robeson, um, or Robeson. I've heard it 17 different ways. Robeson? Robeson. I think it's Robeson. They're all, all in the single digit because those counties are very, um, not, not high-density counties. Rural counties, I think, is what they like to say. So you've got these candidates in District 8. And the favorite, up until uh, when you actually had to file for election, without question, it's Mark Harris. When Dan Bishop decided not to run for re-election in that district, which he would have been elected and no one would have ran against him, he's now running for North Carolina Attorney General. When he left... That opened up a hornet's nest of people who were going to run and who were thinking about running. Mark Harris, and I interviewed him about this in June in Greensboro at the North Carolina GOP convention. I said, hey, the rumors are if Bishop goes to run for the attorney general, you're throwing your name in the hat. And he didn't deny it. And he, he, he confirmed it without confirming it, if that makes any sense. Well, Bishop did run for attorney general, and now Mark Harris you know, was one of the first ones to f- say publicly, yes, I am. So now he's running for attorney general. I mean, he's running for District 8. And I think he was the favorite. People wondered if Trisha Cotham was going to run because she lives in that district. And I never thought she was going to run. I never did. That was never anything that I anticipated happening. A lot of people did. A lot of people got concerned that she might. I never thought she was going to run for Congress. I don't think she wants to run for Congress. I think if she ever ran for anything, I think her goal or or, or something that she would really like, and maybe since she was in college felt this way, governor, some people, oh, you know, run for senator. I don't think, like, maybe senator she might run if she's asked to or whatever, but that's what at least – Two more years down the road. But then you'd have to run against Tom Tillis, and that's not going to happen. So, governor, 
if Mark Robinson loses to Josh Stein? Because right now, you know, what about Bill Graham? Hey, Bill Graham's right there. So is Dell Falwell. But Mark Robinson has the late, all the latest numbers that I've seen or been told. I, not, I, should, I should say not seen but have been told that Mark Robinson has a massive lead. Now, anything can happen between now and March 5th, which is primary day. So you've got two months to try and not screw up between now and March 5th. But let's say Mark Robinson loses to Josh Stein. Well, that opens the door for a lot of different Republicans to run in four more years against Josh Stein. And I think you could potentially see Trisha Cotham then. Although maybe Trisha needs to sit around and maybe she's happy doing what she is. But I never thought she was going to run for Congress in District 8. That never, I never thought that was going to happen. So now you look at the candidates. Mark Harris, the favorite. And then Lee Brown gets in. And Don Brown gets in. And you're like, okay, all right. Like those two, they got interesting backgrounds. Lee should have some pretty good money coming in to help get her name out there. She's the only woman in the field running for Congress. Don Brown's got an interesting past. As a matter of fact, he announced that he was running for Congress on Brett Winterbull's show. And Lee Brown announced she was running for Congress on my show. So those two were like neck and neck. And then you got Alan Balkum. And Alan Balkum is many, 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 many generations of Union County. He's a farmer. Older guy, I think he's like in his early 70s. Like right around 70, 71, 69 in that vicinity. He's got a lot of money. And he's running, and he'll be taken seriously. You don't know how well he'll do in Cabarrus County, Albemarle, places going east. Well, Brett, what about all that stuff with Mark Harris concerning his past, what happened in 2018 in the election, and then they having to redo the special election in 2019, which is how Dan Bishop got to Congress? Mark Harris has a loyal following, just like Donald Trump does. They're very similar to me, but on different scales. Mark Harris is going to get a lot of the evangelical vote, and he's very popular in Union County. And the further east and the more rural you get, generally the more religious the people are. The more poor and the more rural someone is, generally the more religious they are. Across all faiths, black, white, Hispanic. So I think he's going to do extremely well, and plus people know his name. And he gets to use the thing, you know, basically, if he wants, like, look, hey, Trump, look what happened to Trump. They're out to get him. He's a martyr. Same thing happened to me in 2018. They came out after me, and I should have been rightly elected. So he's got that. And then the monkey wrench came, and that was John Bradford, state representative up there in the Huntersville area. And when we come back, we'll talk about what his impact means to that race. Because it's a big impact. And he's got a lot of cash. Two million 
of his own that he's putting into the campaign. So that and more when we come back. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen here on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. I am Brett Jensen, and we are going up until 8 o'clock tonight. And guys, I want to make sure I let you all know, because we are in the midst of talking about District 8. Well, guess what? Our debate that we're holding on January 31st is completely sold out. We had 500 tickets sell out in less than a week. So obviously there's a lot of interest in this, and this is why I'm doing a breakdown of it. But I can tell you this, don't worry about it if you're not going to be able to make it, t- make it there, because if you didn't get a ticket, we're going to be carrying it live right here on air. So you, all you got to do is listen to WBT.com, and you will hear the entire debate. Breaking down the Congressional District 8 right now, and we've gone through four of the candidates. Lee Brown, Don Brown, Mark Harris, the favorite, and Alan Balcom, guy who has, he's a farmer there, well-to-do, owns a ton of land, and uh, I think early 70s, and I think it's something like eight generations or something like that, something wild like that, that his family goes back to Union County. So a lot of time. So obviously Union County native, as you could say. That leaves two more people. Chris Maples, younger, former staffer with Dan Bishop and Richard Hudson. Now, very few people know who he is, and he's got not a lot of money, if any. That generally happens the first time you get into a political race like this. There's very little chance of winning, but you do it for the experience. It's like a rookie, rookie in sports. You, you learn the pitfalls, you, you make your mistakes, you figure out what works, what doesn't work, how to go about it, and then you try again in two years or whatever. Because you need to understand, the person that wins this election for District 8 is going to be like Dan Bishop. And it's going to be like Tim Moore, who's running over there in the Gaston County, I think it was District 14. That's theirs as long as they want it. If they want to be, you know, like Patrick McHenry. Patrick McHenry was there for 10 year, 20 years. He could have had it for another 20 years because he was in his early 40s. That district is his as long as he wanted it. Same thing with Dan Bishop. Same thing with Tim Moore, Speaker of the House, who's running for Congress over there in the Gaston County District. That's theirs. That is theirs. So it's not like you're going to be able to run in that district again. Now, maybe you run in the district where there's a lot of – wildness going on up in the Cabarrus County District involving Mark Walker and Bo Hines and like that and the uh, the other fellow that got Donald Trump's endorsement and his name escapes me at the moment but he's young as well and so uh, so anyways it's uh it's 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 wild it's wild but let's get back now so you got these five people that all of a sudden clear out of the blue I start hearing hey, John Bradford is going to run for Congress. But what you think he's going to run for is Patrick McHenry's old district. The one that Pat Harrigan was going to be in the Gaston County District is now up in the Catawba County District in Iredell County. But you keep hearing, hey, John Bradford might run for Congress against Pat Harrigan. John Bradford did decide to run for Congress, just a different district. District 8. 
John Bradford comes in with by far the most money. He's loaning his campaign $2 million. As of today, Mark Harris is still the favorite. He is. Mark Harris is still the favorite. But $2 million allows you to get well-known quickly. Because maybe a lot of people don't know who John Bradford is, especially when you're talking about Montgomery County, Robeson County, Anson County, even Stanley County up in the Albemarle area. They may not know who he is. But you know what? $2 million gets you well-known really quickly. When you start buying campaign or you start buying commercials and advertising and everything else like that, that gets you well-known very quickly. And he's got two months to spend his $2 million. Now, the biggest criticism of John Bradford is what they say is that, well, he doesn't live in the district. And John will tell you, just like he told me, that, well, he owns several businesses in the district and employs many, many people in the district. He owns two restaurants, and he's got a business, and he said he has 10,000 customers in that district. When you include Cabarrus County, Mecklenburg County, Union County, the big three, those three counties will decide who wins the election. Cabarrus County, Mecklenburg County, Union County. Those three counties specifically. So that's why Lee Brown's got a real fighting chance because she's got Cabarrus County, and they've got 18% of the district, the population of the district. People in Mecklenburg County know who Lee Brown is. People in Union County, because she's been on commercials for 100 years here in Charlotte on radio. You can't miss you know, her voice is so distinctive. You can't I mean, you know, and her commercials were so distinctive. So John Bradford, you know, it, it might be a two horse race. Maybe Balcom and Lee Brown can do some damage as well, just because Balcom has very well known in Union County and Lee Brown from Cabarrus County. But we'll see what happens with Bradford. That's the interesting one. Bradford, you know, Mark Robinson, the, gov- the lieutenant governor running for governor, has already endorsed Mark Harris. That wasn't that big of a surprise. But John Bradford's got a lot of endorsements as well. So we will see what happens with that. But when we return, we're going to continue breaking things down a little bit because this is such a fascinating district and obviously a lot of interest. And it does involve Mecklenburg County and it involves Cabarrus County and Union County and a lot of other counties, Stanley County and going east. But there's a lot of interest in it. Well, how do I know there's a lot of interest in it? Because the debate that WBT is holding with these six candidates on January 31st at Wingate sold out in less than a week. 500 tickets sold out in less than a week for the, uh, the, for the debate on January 31st at Wingate. But like I said, don't fret. The debate will be carried live right here on WBT on January 31st. Okay, so when we continue, let's wrap things up with District 8, and then we'll get into some other things as well. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Now let's swing on over to the WBT Newsroom with Anna Erickson. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on Breaking with Brett Jensen on this Friday night. We are going up until 8 o'clock tonight, as always. And you can call the show at 704-570-1110. And guys, make sure you follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And if you follow me on X, you're going to get like tipped off on things that are happening in and around the area. Like in me having exclusive interviews like I had. And we played last night with Riley Gaines. Uh, no one else in Charlotte got the chance to speak to her. 
Only I did. And then I also had an exclusive interview today, and I can't really discuss it right now, but we're going to get into that later on in the week next week. Okay, so we're continuing our talk about District 8. It's an extremely important district, and it's going to be heavily contested on the Republican side, so much so that the debate that we, WBT, uh, we are holding on January 31st between the six candidates at Wingate, 500 tickets sold out in less than a week. But don't worry, you can hear it live right here on WBT, right there on January 31st, and we'll have all the times and everything like that for you and what's starting and how long it'll last. But don't worry, you'll still be able to hear the debate. And I'm curious, not just this particular district race or congressional race in District 8, which we spent the last couple of segments talking about and breaking it down and all the candidates, but what are your thoughts about, are you already, I mean, it feels like we just finished. Now, granted, it's been two full months since we had Election Day in November. It's been two full months. Are you guys already ready for the commercials and the onslaught of commercials? And on all the political stuff, because I got news for you. Between now and November, that's all you're going to get, because it's the presidential election, congressional elections, governor elections. I mean, that's that you need to know that's what you're in for. Are you ready or you're like, oh, not yet. So I said we got I got a special announcement. There's a couple of things I need to say about this couple special announcements regarding District 8. Number one is that I can tell you that WBT is in talks with a very, very prominent group of putting together a poll in the upcoming weeks, in the month or so, for that particular district. Well, Brett, why that district? Because that's the one with all the candidates. Now, you've got Mark Walker's district, which has three candidates, and you've got um, the district that Patrick McHenry just vacated, and you've got two, two main candidates there. But this is the one that impact, you know, like, like so many people in our Charlotte region, including Mecklenburg County. So, like I said, I think as of right now, it's a two-horse race with Balcom and Lee Brown coming in, you know, both coming up on the outside to use a horse racing terminology. But I think they can make it, you know, an interesting go of it. Because again, Cabarrus County is 18% of the vote. Mecklenburg County is 19% of the vote, and Union County is 38% of the vote. So Alan Balcom's going to do probably pretty well in Union County. Lee Brown's probably going to do very well in Cabarrus County and even parts of Mecklenburg County. Question is, how well does John Bradford do and Mark Harris do outside of Union and Mecklenburg Counties? That, that's the question. So our polling, I am fascinated because this is my own internal polling from talking to people in terms of Um, political advisors, political insiders, talking to the candidates, trying to break things down and use logic. Now, I know when it comes to politics, the last thing you want to do is use logic. I get it. But I try to break it down analytically. And so right now, like I said, I think as of today, Mark Harris is the front runner, followed by Bradford. But Bradford's got two months and $2 million to make up that, to make up that, uh, Whatever gap there may be. I don't know. It it could be a three-point gap. It could be a 15-point gap. I don't know. 
I don't know. Maybe Bradford's in the lead. And Mark Harris is second. I, I don't know. But hopefully that polling, that'll come to fruition, because I think that would be so fascinating. I think it would be so fascinating to find out the numbers of that particular race. Now, I don't know if you know this. Each side, Republican and Democrat, have presidents of every con- congressional district to make sure that so when they have like their meetings, because, you know, you've got state GOP meetings and the national GOP meetings. Well, this this you'll have your district GOP meeting and your district Democrat meetings with representatives from each county to vote in officers and meetings and dues and all that other stuff. Um, let's see what else. Oh, and I just got this little note. Uh, John Bradford has started running his TV ads starting last week. So it has started. You got two months to spend $2 million. And I assuming that there's going to be a lot of advertisement right here on WBT with all the candidates, which I found what I found fascinating real quick. Tim Moore, Speaker of the House. Foregone conclusion, he's winning his district. He's still running political ads on our on our station. You got to spend the money somehow, right? Uh, let's go to the phones, and we bring in Jane. Thanks for calling, and thanks for listening, Jane. I appreciate it. Well, I want to thank you for educating us about what's going on. Uh, sometimes we just don't get caught up with all this stuff. What I was wondering, with so many people running, how is that going to go with the voting? Is it the top two? Then they all have to come back and vote again, or how does that work? So that's a really great question. So here's how this will work in the primaries. If a candidate does not get, and to avo- let me do it this way, to avoid a primary, or excuse me, to avoid a runoff, to avoid a runoff, a candidate has to get 30% of the vote plus one vote. So 30% of the vote plus one vote. If a candidate gets that, then that avoids a runoff. If a candidate gets 29.99999% of the vote, then you got a runoff between the top two candidates. That's how that will work. And here's the thing. I think there's... There's the outside possibility of having a runoff in this particular primary because if you've got Mark Harris and John Bradford getting votes, presumably the top two vote getters, presumably, and then after that, like I mentioned earlier, with Lee Brown doing, you know, expected to do well in Cabarrus County, which is the third biggest county, 18% of the vote. Alan Balcom expected to do well in Union County, which is 38% of the vote. If those two actually get a lot of votes, it will take away from the top two candidates. And then you may not have someone get 30 percent, which means you would have the 30 percent plus one vote, which means you may have the runoff under those circumstances. So it's very plausible that you could have a runoff in that particular primary. So basically, there's just going to be two that will be running off. There won't be any more than two. Correct. You take the top two. I got you. Well, thank you. You really educated us. I think we need that because we're going so fast. Sometimes we just don't get the whole picture, and you really have educated, and I appreciate that. Well, thank you for the phone call. I appreciate the phone call, Jane. Thanks a lot. And, you know, here's the thing. She brings up a good point about sometimes we go so fast. We just finished with the elections in November, two months ago. 
and now we're already running political ads. We were running on WBT political ads in December about upcoming congressional races. Five weeks after, six weeks after the elections in November, we're already running political ads. Not our fault. It's the candidates saying, hey, I want to start running political ads on your station. Okay. Tim Moore started running political ads on our show. Or on our stations, I should say. On our station. So the turnaround is so fast. You know, now, the good news is, when you go from an even number year, 2024, into the odd number year, the turnaround is much, much slower. Because the odd number years, 2023, 2025, 2027, those are local elections. And your local candidates don't have $2 million to spend on running for city council. As a matter of fact, Tark Bakari's race this year in city council was the most spent by a candidate for a local election in state history. He spent over $500,000. His opponent spent over $250,000. The most ever in a local election in state history. The two candidates didn't come close to a million dollars. Bradford has two million. Mark Harris is going to have a lot of money. So... Lee Brown's going to have a lot of money. Alan Balcom, I think, is loaning his campaign $500,000. He has a lot of money. So these are people with money to spend, and they're going to spend it. But after this November, in 11 months, almost exactly 11 months from today, after that, the political stuff all dies down for a long time especially here in Charlotte, it really dies down because generally not a lot of people pay attention to the primaries of local elections. They generally just don't. So especially like the, especially on the Republican side, the Democrats, you'll have some interesting things because there are way more Democrats in this county and city. So sometimes they'll run against each other in the primaries, but generally there's not Republicans running against each other in the primaries. So... There's not a lot of, uh, not of like, like as, as Jane said, a lot of fast turnaround. You don't have the, the fast turnaround. So 2025 will generally be a calm year, a quiet year. But once you start getting from, say, September of 2023, it lasts all the way until November 2024. Just nonstop politics. And don't forget... You think it's bad locally? Wait till you turn on your TV every single day and start seeing seeing Joe Biden and Donald Trump ads. Every day, throughout the day. That's all you're going to see. Not including, oh, and we haven't even gotten to the governor's race yet here in North Carolina, which they expected to be the most expensive governor's race in the country. As well as the most expensive attorney general's race in the country. Dan Bishop versus Jeff Jackson. Two current congressmen, both from Mecklenburg County, are running against each other for attorney general. So between some congressional seats, governor, and attorney general, 
like we are probably going to be in the range of when you add them like just the attorney general and the governor's race, you're probably looking somewhere, and I'm not joking, between the two races, 20, 25 million minimum. It might even get closer to 35 million between if you add the two races together. I mean, if you're spending $2 million to win a primary in a congressional seat, how much do you think the governor and the attorney general are spending to win their election, their general election, between now and November? Woo! A lot of money. A lot of money. North Carolina is going to be at the forefront of the political world, or right at the very front, between now and November. That's just the way it's going to be. Both presidents, presidential candidates want to win, need to win North Carolina, the governor's race, attorney general's race, and then all the congressional races. It's going to be fascinating. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this last part of Breaking with Brett Jensen until we send you off into the holiday weekend. Okay, so Panthers Friday. Yes, there were actually interviews this week, exit interviews. And Chris Tabor, the interim head coach, spoke to the Panthers media about his job going forward and what this last season entailed. And it was like about an eight-minute interview, and I just pulled off like a couple of snippets because I wanted you to hear certain questions and certain answers. And here's what to expect going forward with the Carolina Panthers and Chris Tabor. Have you met with uh, Tepper and kind of what he or anybody said about um, the future of the the coaches that are still under contract right now? You know, I haven't met with him regarding that inf- that information, and and uh, you know, today has been kind of a hectic day. You know, got in, you watch the tape, and then you're going through exit interviews, and the and the players are are coming through and having an opportunity to visit with them. So that's kind of really where the focus has been all day. I know you like to stay in your routine, but what's the plan for you for the next few weeks? I try to, uh, you know, for the couple days, it's kind of nice to you, you take a break. Uh, then after that. Uh, I think the wife is wants to says, "Hey, you may, might want to go do something because I get a little fidgety because I'm out of a routine. So I have to kind of try to find a new routine. I'll I'll find one." Chris uh, Hayden Hurst thought that maybe there were too many voices in Bryce's ear this year uh, among staff members. Any thoughts on that and sentiments? Uh, kind of what went on on that side of the ball. No, I don't have any thoughts on that. You know, I think uh, when the change was made, I still stayed in my, my special teams area and uh, let each side of the ball work there. So I don't, you know, I don't have an opinion on, on what he said there. How will this work operationally, Chris, uh, with these guys, these assistants now that the season's over and there's not, <laughs> a, not a full-time coach? I, I mean, are they... I can maybe around here. I mean, do you know? Yeah, you know what I—I I can only speak from experience on that. For, from whether it was last year or, or previous organizations that I've been with, typically what happens anyway is it's at the end of the season everyone kind of kind of decompresses for for a couple weeks, and you're kind of um, you're still in a little bit of a holding pattern, but at the same time you're still working on football, working on your craft, you know, getting cut ups, and because you're trying to stay in some type of routine. And I think that every guy kind of handles it differently. Are you and uh, Dan Morgan kind of working on personnel things right now, just 
for organizationally to get uh, ready for the L season? be honest with you, I haven't even visited with Dan yet. Like when I say it's been a hectic morning, it's been a hectic morning. Chris, are you glad to have had this opportunity despite the, the record? No, I am. You know, I, I think as a coach, um, and just you can say, well, he's been in it a while. You're still trying to get better, and you're still chasing things. And I, and that, this opportunity has allowed me to do that. I, there, there are things that that came across my desk that I, I didn't even know took place, even being in, being in even being in this business a long time. So, very grateful for the opportunity. Obviously, uh, you know, you always went, hope that you win more. But I, I thought that we got better and showed some improvement, and I was very appreciative to the guys for for getting that done. Gotten your position, or is it like you hungrier for more? I've always wanted to be a head coach, so that's uh, I think it's something hungry for more. Did you express that to Dave? Haven't visited with him. So that will be the last time we have a Panthers Friday until there's more news coming in about the Carolina Panthers as they look for a new general manager and a new head coach. All right, I want to thank everyone for listening tonight. I really do appreciate it. Stay dry out there. Stay boned up. And we're going to do this all over again next week. Have a great holiday weekend. And I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.